Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following programme may contain the names of people who have died. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, as we are doing for the whole month of January, we are reviewing an Australian film. That's right, Australia has its national holiday in January currently, so we decided this is a good time to look at some good old local Aussie cinema, and today's film is particularly local to uh, where this program is recorded in Perth, because we are reviewing Bran New Day, uh, which is, a, what, I suppose, a more recent Australian classic. Joining me to review this film, we have, as always, two guests, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's surely soon dr ellen says <laughs> okay well what what date is this episode coming out on? ah you've rattled us already uh, <laughs> this is again uh, another pre-record because um w- we will both be away uh, when, when this, this episode comes out uh, so this is like mid-january right this is january this should be january the 9th uh cool. all going to plan cool so we'll be sort of like on the way home yes when this is going out okay so i should be submitting mm-hmm very soon, once after this episode is, has 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 gone out. Excellent. So, so it will be. Maybe <laughs> it will the, be submitted. Maybe the next time you're on, we can finally. Maybe call the next you. time I'm on, you can finally go. Uh, well, I mean, it'll be submitted. I don't know whether or not it. We have to wait until I'm conferred before we can call me doctor. Okay. Okay. So, still a little while, folks. Still a little while in the Ellen versus Sarah doctor race. Sarah's well. Okay. Sarah hasn't been conferred yet either. So, mm. like, she's beating me in that she has submitted hers and it's been examined, but. The race is on. The race is on now. Okay. She hasn't been conferred yet. Ellen, uh, you have not seen Brand New Day. I have not, which is kind of weird because, I mean, anybody who remembers me from other podcasts will remember that I'm doing my PhD thesis looking at dance in musical theatre. So you would think I would have seen this, but no, I, I, I missed this one entirely. And I'm not sure how. I well, just... what, what do you know about it? Uh, I know that it's uh, what well, was an Australian film, so it's got like the twelve Australian actors that are in everything. I mm-hmm. know that it's uh, set somewhere out in the country because it's red dirt, and I know that it's a musical. Okay, that's 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 more or less it. And I would and I would say that there is some sort of uh, percentage of indigenous characters based on not only the DVD cover but the name of it and various other vague inklings that I've gotten off it. It's it's kind of gone past me a few times and I've never really sat down and watched it. I've got vague inklings. I don't really know what the story's about. I don't know what the narrative is. All right. Well, uh, hopefully here <laughs> to help uh, educate you on this. It's Alex McVeigh. Hello. How you doing, Alex? I'm very well. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. It's been a little while since you've been on. Uh, yeah, apparently. Um, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, it, reviewing Good Morning Vietnam. But it does feel like that, but it was it was almost like nine months ago. That <gasps> is insane. It's, yeah. um, I too uh, have not uh, been conferred yet, um, in that I haven't even started a PhD program. <laughs> um, so I'm not winning in the Ellen versus Sarah PhD race either. That's fair, that's fair. That you, makes me feel better. You have seen Brand New Day. I have seen Brand New Day. Uh, what can you tell us about it in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way? Because I haven't seen this film either. Sure. In a in a vague, non-spoilery way, I, I sort of remember everything that Ellen has just described about the film. <laughs> That's sort of the salient <laughs> features of the film. Mm. Um, yes, I. it sounds like you're pretty accurate with those. Look, I think I saw the film when it first came out. Mm. I don't know if it was... If it was in cinemas, I think I saw it in cinemas. If not, very shortly after it was mm. available for viewing. Okay. Um... And I liked it. That's sort of what I remember of it. I remember going in a little bit sceptical, thinking, 
because it's sort of a local film it may mm. be particularly low budget it might not be have much commercial sort of appeal and i remember thinking i i really enjoyed this mm. so i'm looking forward to refreshing that again yeah i mean it, it it is considered a little bit of a a modern classic and when we do this this australia film month we generally try and make sure that we're covering a, a good range of time periods uh, where possible and this film uh, it came out I think it was released in festivals in 2009 so it's it's going to be turning 10 later this year so it's um yeah I thought this would be a good time to have a look at it and um I is it is it a musical then or is it a film with songs Oh goodness Maybe maybe I should be the judge of that once we've watched it Yeah <laughs> I I feel like it's a musical in that there are people singing but I don't know the subtle distinction between a musical and a, a my level of sophistication in this area is those oh, you just said the same thing twice okay. so I, I don't know <laughs> okay like if you if you drag the average person off the street and threw them in and then asked them afterwards do you think that's a musical they would say it's a bloody musical mate okay they would <laughs> excellent yeah that makes sense well with that being the case shall we watch it sure i'm excited okay for those of you listening at home pop in your dvds and prepare to drive your combi vans as we watch brand new day While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Brand New Day, and I'm joined once again by Alex McVeigh. Hello. And Ellen Sears. Hello. Ellen, that was your first time watching Brand New Day. Yeah. What did you make of it? Um, I don't know if I liked it or not. That was very strange. That is a very good summation of what the last hour and a half was. <laughs> it was my first time watching it as well. Uh, I'm a little bit more solidified in my opinion in that I did not like that film very much. Um, <laughs> All right. But, okay. but, um, but I'm aware that the reason I didn't like it is because it's not the sort of story that I usually engage with. Yeah. Um, or at least the presentation style, I guess. Um, Alex, that was your first time watching it since cinemas. Um, I think so. Yeah, so maybe 10 years on. How, how did it hold up for you? Oh, look, it's a bit of fun. And I had fun watching it again. Uh, so <laughs> poor Stephen and Ellen probably, yeah, anyway. Um, I, I feel like this is what my brother and my sister-in-law felt like when I forced them to watch Burn After Reading With Me. And at the end of that, they just turned around and looked at me and went, what did we just watch? I, that That's mm. how I think, I feel. I think it's a fairly simple story. It's good fun to watch. It's um, it, it's, it's not overcomplicated. I think there are some films I might sit down and watch and go, wow, that's really artsy. I don't quite get it. But mm. I feel like this is really accessible to a wide range of people and... You know, you've 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 got to watch I'm it. I'm not sure what, it, what is. it is. I'm just like well, well, it's not the strangest it's... story in the world. Like, it's, how is it any different to any sort of other light entertainment film that I, you would have seen? I think the way it's different is the way that the story is told. And for me, large parts of it were not necessarily told that well. Um, I mean, it's it's enjoyable and it's colourful and it's very light entertainment. It's certainly not taxing. Um, I, no. I'll give yeah. it that. And. It doesn't need to be taxing for me to enjoy it. It's I... like it's like I said at the end. In the ending, I was like, "Oh my god, it's a pantomime! It's literally become a pantomime." Yeah, it's and... got stock ah. characters. Like I think I mentioned oh, pretty early yeah. on, like there's only a handful Definitely. of characters that you need to get your head around. Yeah, yeah. and they're not pretty particularly girl. complex. You've got your protagonist. You've got your um, rival love interest, and then there's some other specific stereotypes that come through as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean uh, the story. As much as I can followed it with the notes, um, we're in Broome, we're in 1969, um, and we are following young Willie Same Johnson. Same year of the moon landing. Indeed, and mm. um, not 
it just occurred to me. It those, has nothing to do with the film. For those but for some reason who've watching, uh, listening to the podcast who haven't seen the film, it doesn't cover the moon landing. <laughs> not what, and that was another criticism I had. How dare they not cover? No, it's, so yeah, it's sixty nine. It's Broome, uh, which for those of you living outside of uh, Australia, Broome is a uh, very remote, uh, I guess, tourist hotspot these days. But it's a yeah. it's, a, it's a remote uh, town in the northwest of Australia, very far it's away. In the middle of the desert, but there's everything. also the ocean. And it's very pretty. There's mm. red dirt. There's blue water. It's pretty. It's very remote. Very remote. Yeah, and it's, it's a port town. Is it yeah, not? Like, I yes. mean, so is, or port so is, city. So, so, so is Fremantle. Fremantle's a port city. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's isolated, but I wouldn't say it's in the middle of nowhere. In that, it's on the coast. Like, it's not in the middle of the desert so much as it's like not Alice Springs or something like that, which yeah. is literally just like. Yeah. <laughs> but the point being that for people who are maybe listening in from other countries and know of Melbourne and Sydney and maybe have heard of Perth in passing from this podcast, <laughs> I would recommend Googling Broom. Yeah. Broom. It's actually it. really beautiful. It is a really beautiful place. And that's one of the things that I think came off really well on this film is. Australia how, is beautiful. Is, yeah, the, the West Australian coastline. Although I did like the bit where he was like, I'm just going to pick this dugout up and just like kill it. And I was like, that's a dugout. That's like one of the most deadly snakes we have yeah <laughs> um, but yeah we see on, yeah. we see this lovely uh place we see young willie johnson who's in church and he's having um these these young teenage boy fantasies about a girl that he knows called rosie where she's mm. he's trying to be a good boy at church with his mom but then he's like his eyes are closed and he's thinking about uh rosie who's like enticing him with all this sort of like flame Sexy motif devil imagery yeah very and that was one of the things that i actually quite liked in the sense that um w- willie is not necessarily the most engaging of protagonists, but we definitely see pretty much everything in this film from his perspective. It really did feel like, to an extent, like this film was made by a 13-year-old boy, both in the good and bad sense of that. It it, it was good because it was quite hopeful and things were very simple, but at the same time, you know, he, he viewed Rosie very much as... He called... It could just be a language thing, but he called him his girl even though they weren't in a relationship of any kind. Yeah. Um and yeah, it was it was it I mean, was interesting. It is, the, it, it is also the 1960s. It, it is also the 60s. And there are plenty of issues to be picking through uh, from what was happening uh, around that time. But um, yeah, we see Willie he's li- he's living in Broome. Uh, Rosie's up there. Um, he asks her out on a date. Um, but unfortunately there's Lester, this kind of like bad boy who's in a band who uh, He's got an embroidered shirt yeah and he wears a cowboy hat <laughs> and he's like saying hey you should come sing in our band rosie and she's like oh i'd love to uh and then he sings a song uh which alex had to actually look up the lyrics for oh please don't make me read them <laughs> I'll, i will read them if you wish you will only that it's uh actually slightly more graphic than i think um i gave it credit for when i was listening to it um yeah. i think i heard the random word franger used in it i mean franger is a great word what is a franger for our non-australian uh, listeners well uh, in this context i assume it might have many uh, meanings but it, it is in uh, uh, reference to the uh, male prophylactic hmm. it's 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 Excellent. a lovely australian word for condom yes. um australian slang is the best slang let's be real but apparently the song was written by the actor who sung it, um, the actor being Lester, who's a, an Australian musician, um, or played by an Australian musician named Dan Sultan. Mm. Um, and as I was Googling the lyrics, it came up to say that that charming little uh, song was was actually written by Dan Sultan. So I'm assuming the brief he was given was the... the, the, the um, what do you call it, a bar, I suppose, a local pub or yeah. whatever you call it. The Roebuck Hotel. The Roebuck Hotel was meant to be this sort of den of sin, right? Because mm. Willie didn't want to go in there. And that's why he represented the sort of, you know, the sort of naughty and sinful sort of area in Broome mm. that Willie wasn't able to Ooh. go in that his, his girl was Ooh. being taken into. Yeah. Uh, and so he was partly a threat, but also the Roebuck Hotel was a bit of a threat in itself. See, um, I, I read, I, I, I read that differently to start off with. Um, because the minute he was like, oh, no, no, like, we can't go in there. I was like, oh, is this going to be a segregation thing? And then it wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay. We're, mm. we're not, we're not looking at the, that whole historical mm. No, we, we talked thing. about, we talked about that briefly. Yeah, we I did. Think, at that point when the film was playing. Um, yeah. We, it was we the movie, don't it was know. the, it was the movie theater scene where I was yep. like, ah, interesting because they don't have them segregated mm. into Indigenous and non-Indigenous I'll, I'll be folk. honest, I don't know what, if any, segregation was like in Broome in 1969. I don't, well, is that what I have it was no like? idea. I, 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 don't I, I don't know either. That's, well, that's kind of the whole I mean, thing. The, but... the, the historical context um, is that obviously when um, 
you know, the, the British came to Australia. We did what we did with a lot of native cultures and treated them quite poorly, and <laughs> um, to, to say the very least. And uh, in terms of specifically with Australia's indigenous and pop, uh, population, um, they were only granted the right of personhood in a referendum in 1967. Which is two years before this film is set. So, in in a sense, though, something you said when we were watching it, Alex, which I think made made sense, is that for this film, which is light-hearted and which is very much not about that particular issue, they didn't need to have that sort of segregation present in the bars or in the cinema scene. Yeah, yeah there might be some sort of historical cultural retcon in mm. place, um, but but I don't know. I'm not going to... Um, uh, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a tendency to look back and assume that it was worse than it was. Sometimes people look back and assume that it was better than it was. Like, it's sometimes difficult to know mm. i like that it was sort of just a non-issue in this film it yeah. wasn't the it film wasn't, wasn't about that the film was was more about like i mean it's hinted at throughout the film and i think when they when you yeah. get to the um the sort of clontarf scenes yeah um, and there's the some sort of slightly sort of racist things that are said mm. um or quite decently racist things that are said um but in in broom in that point it's not it's not an issue. Yeah. And I think that's that's partially a, oh, you know, like it's one thing out in the country and it's another thing kind of in the major cities. Mm. I, I also think one of the things that this film does well, because, you know, on reflection, I will, I, I'm i realising I wasn't a massive fan of this film, but it did certain things well. And it is a... I agree with that. It is, it is a celebration of, of what it means to be um, an Indigenous Australian, but not in the sort of really you know sometimes in these these films all these stories they go very deep and it's very emotional in this it was more just like it was fun it was a nice romp um i quite liked the the song um there's nothing i would rather be it's the only banger in the whole musical like let's be real which is very well (laughs) put together and performed um and and is you know, it's it's about a celebration of a culture, even though it's it's a culture which they reference throughout the film as being very oppressed and going through lots of difficult times. And it, I think this rem- is maybe a good time to point out that um, if you were to get some sort of Dulux uh, colour scheme uh, measuring chart from Bunnings, you probably couldn't find <laughs> people whiter than Stephen Ellen and myself. Yes. Um, so <laughs> talking about some of these issues are going to be quite... The whitest guy was the German of, guy. Mm. Yeah, to be, look, there were very white people in the film as well. But also we're, we're sort of obviously talking about oh, yeah, you know, gosh, things yeah. from that, that very particular perspective and, and, and with that lens. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it seemed to me that as well that that seemed very much like a celebration of culture and that mm. that looks like great fun and it was sort of a bit of an anthem throughout the film yeah um and in the the film i don't want to jump to the end straight away um but you know it's about it. celebrating being indigenous or yeah. being aboriginal you know yeah. it's, it's about and all facets and, of that. and everyone wants to be and it's and made that's a in- cool place to be in by the end of the it film. is made inclusatory like Absolutely. At, at, at the very end where missy higgins's hippie character is sort of trying to join in on this what i can only describe as as an omni shambles of plot which happens at the end omni- in the last like of plot. in the yeah. last like five minutes where it's just like and all the plot is happening but it's yeah. like right but, but, now. but we establish it's the, like a pantomimical yeah. farce story that it doesn't oh, it's not yeah. supposed to provide much more than light entertainment and i like that because it means that as i said it's quite accessible to people yeah well i agree and i think that's something that the film does a really good job of it it, it includes everybody um it does a very good job of, of, of trying to reach out and include people in this is a story you can come along and listen and enjoy and for those of you that have that sort of cultural guilt about what happened Put park that to one side. We'll still bring it up, but but it's not going to be, it's not going to be something that you're going to, you're not going to feel bad about trying to engage with the culture that we present. And I sure. think, even though, again, I'm going to say I don't think this is a good film, but I think, <laughs> but but just because I don't think it's a good film doesn't mean that I don't think that it did that well. I think mm. it does a very good job yeah, of that. I would agree so, with that. Out of curiosity, what type of reviews did it receive? What is it? What's its Rotten Tomatoes? Can we say Rotten Tomatoes on the podcast? I believe we pronounce it Rotten Tomatoes for our American <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, he, 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 he frequently does the IMDb trivia trolls, so yes. I guess we can reference whoever the hell we want. Uh, okay. Only that, you know, obviously it's a competing film review um, system. So We, I, we I very much if... incorporate it with sort okay. of I hope that side. people don't feel like they can only the, either use Rotten Tomatoes or the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Like, they, yeah. can, they <laughs> yeah. can use both. Yeah. You are please, welcome to use both. Please use many. Yeah. The, many. Av- the average rating of this film uh, is 6.3 out of 10. Wow. In IMDb? Uh, just a- across the... Yeah, in IMDb. Interesting. Okay, well, that's a credit. 
Hmm. That's really interesting. That's not too yeah. bad. And so, do we know what its percentage on Rotten Tomatoes is? Only because that's the. Uh, I can. That's my measure. That's your measure. I feel like uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a fifty-six percent. Okay, that's a pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a pass. And look, uh, yeah, look, I I, have... I think that's better than the Last Jedi. I think I don't know. I don't really want to talk about that. But let's, anyway, let's not delve into the last Jedi. We've got <laughs> that's a, that's we've got plenty of issues. Well, on, only to say is. that, yeah, I, I was just curious because we were saying that we don't think it's a good film, and I, I just wonder. So, do you think that's from a storytelling perspective, yes. or from an engage? Okay. I think I think yeah, from a storytelling perspective, yeah. it's it's kind of all over the shop. Like there was a lot of times when I was like, "What is happening?" Like the basic general narrative thrust. I was like, "Oh yeah, I get the very very." like basic thing of what's going on here but the ways that they kind of like push the story forward in a couple of ways i was just like what where did that come from where is it but think of think of some other maybe films that are aimed at slightly younger people i'm i'm personally thinking of some like disney type not quite pixar that's quite complicated yeah yeah, like more disney type quite simple plots not Mm. particularly sophisticated script writing like it's uh, not to say anything ill against disney but you know it, it it um, it's, it provides it's, that it's, service it's, for its audience it's, that it's, it's supposed it's to. It's designed for a very specific audience. Mm. And I mean, looking at this as a musical, something that um, we were talking a little bit about was that they're dealing with uncomfortable themes like the priest who's like beating these young boys at the school mm. in some capacity. And they're kind of slightly creepy. My hand's on the back of your neck and I'm holding it very tightly. And I was like, oh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit creepy and full on. Um, they're framing that in... Um, through the lens of of camp which is something that musicals do a lot of when they want to deal with uncomfortable themes and i think it was employed really well here um and part of that camp kind of rose-colored lens that they've got over this means that um you know you can have things like those indigenous stereotypes like the drunken uncle who's homeless who lives under a bridge or deborah mailman's character who was um a prostitute of some description sorry was she a prostitute i don't think it was ever implied that she was a prostitute just that she was definitely promiscuous um she uh, roxanne is a character i think she was married she was married I mean, not that a, a prostitute or a sex worker yeah. can't be married i but... don't think it was ever stated that she was a prostitute i think it was just that was just the kind of vibe that i was getting and i mean i might be completely wrong but mm. that was kind of the if, vibe if... that i was getting but they were kind of hitting on all of these sort of various stereotypes yeah but the way that they were being framed, I think they were being framed through this lens of camp, which made them a little bit more sort of mm. comfortable and palatable. Although that said, when she was like climbing on top of this young boy, I was like, oh, if this was reversed and this was a guy climbing on a girl of the same age, that would be really... Ugh. Like that bit made me feel quite icky. Yeah. It's, it's, uncomfortable. it's an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm curious um, when you mentioned at one point you were comparing it to another musical yeah and i wonder as the expert on uh musicals <laughs> which musical uh, oh when Ellen, i when is, i said is this a musical or is this a uh, a film with songs i think this would be closer to a film with songs look it's a really hard line to to walk but i would say that this is probably closer to a film with songs and i'm wondering if i haven't seen the stage show so i'm wondering if it's, it's based on the stage show right so i'm wondering how many of those songs they've taken out because there's not a lot of songs in it so mm. if, if this was put on as it was on a stage it would not be i wouldn't call it a musical necessarily no. i'd call it probably a play with songs and also to tie it back to the songs we were discussing uh the some of the lyrics from the dan sultan song oh no um oh. i'll just i'll just read it like a spoken word poem now she was only 16, just a child upon her road. When I moved up to her slowly, said I got a heavy load. Baby, come on. Baby, would you like to come on down? And we'll rock and reel and reel and rock all over Chinatown. Hey boy, don't you really know? I don't feel so mad about the seeds that you might sow. Like, it's it's very... What that means Ugh. is I don't want to be impregnated by yeah. you. Yeah. But then it moves on to, to saying the things about um, the, the specific line. Uh, well, I like bologna and perhaps a sausage roll. And if you don't use those condoms, then you can't, then you cannot poke my hole. Which. And I think yeah. it was at that point where we realized there was a problem. Or at, <laughs> it's at like, least this is it uncomfortable. Was not what we were thinking. This is uncomfortable. It was like song one. This is the thing. I Googled when I was trying to find the lyrics, I think mm. I Googled um, sort of soundtrack. Um, to get the the track listing, it's far longer than the number of songs that I remember from watching that film. They yeah. they will have taken some out. 
they do that a lot when oh, they really? they yeah. do that a lot when they adapt stage shows to film. They take a lot of the songs out because all right. It, if you look at like Only the difference that, can between, I, can I vote for taking that one out? <laughs> look, I, I I think I mean it does serve the purpose. The song, but, the, song the songs are fine. Yeah, like the, the songs are fine. Yeah, I mean, there's... Generally there's... speaking, they're not thrilling. They're not super duper great, yeah. amazing. There's, Like I said, there's one banger and that's... Um, there's nothing I would rather be than to be an Aborigine. Mm. That's, that's a pretty good song. Like, that's a that's a nice, catchy little... I'm sure Sarah, if she was on, would disagree with me um, as the as our, like, token lyricist um, musical theatre. Token lyricist. I think you mean resident lyricist. Our resident, our resident, <laughs> our that. resident musical theatre lyricist who's done an entire thesis on it. What am I the token? Token person who's seen half the movies that for some reason <laughs> Stephen and Ellen haven't seen. Yes. Yeah, yes. I feel like I feel like I feel like Sarah would have a different take on this than I would. But like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind the music. Jeffrey Rush. Uh, we do have to do, to talk about him because obviously he's playing the, I guess, main villain, Father Benedictus. This. Um... I think we're using the word villain pretty softly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, slightly. Okay, creepy. the main antagonist. The, yeah. Slightly creepy. He's got a bit of the Javert about him. Like I will hunt this man down until the thing. That's like Javert's from Les Mis. Yeah, right? from yeah. Les Mis. That's what he reminded me of. Or, or and a little bit of when he gets the sunglasses on. A little bit of Agent Smith from the Matrix. Like if you took Javert and Agent Smith and made them an, a German priest in the outback in the 1960s. Is Javert also played by an Australian actor? Yeah, Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Isn't that funny? Because obviously Agent Smith is played by Hugo Weaving. Yeah. So you've just combined hey. two Australian actors to get another one. Hey. Do you think that was subconscious? Or? I mean, why I th- do Australians play villains all the time? I don't know. Mm. It's because uh, the British aren't available. That's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a very good point. It's a long point. flight, mm. to be honest. And he wasn't even playing an Australian. He was playing... Um, he was playing a German. Uh, someone who was German. Yeah. Um, and look, the accent wasn't great. But the accent wasn't great. The actual acting itself the acting was, was fine. Was fine. And, and sorry, I, I, the singing I wasn't great, film, but he also wasn't singing the, the other time that I've heard Jeffrey Rush do an accent similar to this is in a film called Mystery Men, mm. which, by the way, highly recommend and will hopefully be re-invited onto the uh, program to review <laughs> in future. Well, when we um, get to Mystery Men, I'll make a note. I think it's a great film, mm. and Jeffrey Rush plays uh, the villain in that, mm. uh, named Casanova Frankenstein. That's a great name. And the accent is far more camp, and it's, I think it's probably still German, uh, but it is far more comedic um, yeah. and very, very funny. I think once you throw yourself into it, it doesn't really matter that it's a bit flawed at that point, whereas this one was still a little bit reserved, yeah. so yeah. you notice those sort of flaws yeah. a bit more And the, the character was was perfectly fine in that in that sort of an, uh, antagonistic way. Um, bit of slapstick. Bit of, bit of, yeah, bit know. of slapstick. A bit like... A little threat- bit of Oliver in the yeah. scene where he's going to, like beat the small child with a stick yeah, in the school and I was like yeah and I was like oh I'm having like mad Oliver vibes it's kind of taken a lot of Matilda yeah, a little bit of Matilda. Yeah, the jokey, the jokey. Yeah, taking yeah. the girl with mm. the pigtails. There's a the, lot you know. of like little bits and pieces that I'm picking out of this and going, I feel like there are like links here. I don't know that they've been done particularly well, but I think yeah. they're there. It doesn't give you anything new. No, 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 not at all. In terms of storytelling. No. But I kind of like that about it because how many people... It has appeal because you know, it's yeah. it's there's, there's a certain amount of pleasure that can be derived from predictable plots and things that you're yeah. like, I know what's going to happen next. Like, and, that's and- a part of audience... And if the plot pleasure, and that's why people like jukebox musicals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if the, the plot is accessible, the script writing is accessible, the characters are fine. What you're getting out of it then is yeah. stuff like the indigenous culture and the Australian scenery, mm. and that you don't have to focus on the other stuff. Keep in mind, for us, that might be slightly different to uh, watching than someone who's not from Perth or not from Australia. Mm. Yeah, We're really interested to know what people who are not so you know like, comment, and subscribe. Um, but in those comments, um, please tell us if you're from another country what you think of this and what yeah. impression this gives you of Indigenous Australia. I, I think it's important actually. Yeah, if people do want to leave a com- uh, comment in that sense, if you're listening internationally, because I, I myself have lived here for 15 years, so that's about half my life. I've you know, it, it's. I suppose it's a question of can you remove yourself from the culture that you're within and and mm. examining it in that sense. It could be a film that you watch and go, this is this is really enjoyable. This is really great. Mm. Um, or or maybe not. Um, just a couple of other things I wanted to touch on as we go. Um, shout out to Damon Lockwood playing the yeah. bartender <laughs> in uh, Perth. Uh, Damon Lockwood is um a a friend of mine and uh, a few people on the podcast uh, who was a performer at the Big Hoo-Ha, and uh, I saw when I was doing the, the Doesn't notes Doesn't he live in Broome now? He is actually in Broome at He's the moment. He's living yeah. in Broome now, that's So, um, yeah, just very <laughs> lovely seeing him 
Uh, Ironic considering he was in the Perth scene. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> yes, um, giving but to be fair, given the uh, landscape of Broome that is shown there, I'm mm. considering a move myself. Yes, I mean, it's no, he's, beautiful. He is up there now, where probably walking around a bar semi-inconsistently cut by the continuity editor. <laughs> 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 um, but that it, really annoyed you, didn't yes. it, Alex? <laughs> Look, only that it... It just seemed to be that he kept walking back to the bar, but then he wasn't... Like, he was I don't just know. pacing. It was... Maybe he was. Who and knows? he was always pacing when, like, out of shot. And so by the time we got back, he was always in the same part of the pace. Yeah. But, um, uh, th- that's not Damon's fault, I'm sure. No, certainly not. Lovely work, Damon. You, uh, you, you, you poured that drink. Yeah, you manned that bar very well. Um, yeah, I believe you were a bartender. Yeah. It was really lovely, actually, because um, I've not actually been to Broome, but it was really nice, all the stuff that they had that was shot in Perth, because I was like, oh, it's Fremantle. Oh, look, it's the big dingo flower thing, mm. which is, <laughs> I remember you saying, I don't know if that's really on the way to on the way to Broome. I'm like, well, Broome is north. you got to travel up the coast. I would have taken the freeway, so, to be honest. I don't know if I would have freeway, gone up Highway. Did the freeway exist in 1969? That is well, the question. Look, and on this podcast, we do ask the big questions. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, about did... whether the freeway existed in 1969. Mm. Probably not. Maybe not. Maybe you had to take Stirling I could Highway. ask my dad. He'd probably know. This is getting very local, uh, which is always a risk with this film, I guess. Uh, But it was nice, though. Although I was, I like the film where we recognise the location. No, but it was great because it was like, oh, there's that one very specific corner of those two buildings in Perth that actually look like they're from the era. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this, I think we, we. Oh, look! Actually, it's Notre Dame. It's a university. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. We actually said when the when uh, Missy Higgins' combi van was driving down the road, and you could see Fremantle on both sides, that that could have been shot today. Yeah, it really uh, could have. Just Bria, add a really. few old, slightly older cars. Also, mm. I loved Missy Higgins in this. Can we talk I think about Missy Higgins? For Let's say, talk about Missy please. Higgins. I love her. She's I the love... best part of this film. She's she's so good. So good. She was captivating as an actor. She's just got a really I don't think she's a particularly good actor, but she just, just goes for it. I thought she was a good actor. I thought she was... I she. Man, just it's fun. just like, just like so good, man. Like, we're, we're Buddhists. Like, it just... Mm. It, was, uh, it was a fun character. She's a her great singer and, too. Um, and Slippery, the, the German guy. Who plays Slippery? Should we know him from something else? Is he Australian? Probably um... I, uh, I I am for those listening at home, I am shrugging. Uh, and I am Googling. He is played by um as I just pull up my list here, Tom Budge. And do we think Tom Budge is German? Um I'm gonna guess he's probably not, but he was fine. Uh, I you know, I liked seeing the uh, Tom Budge Australian. He just looked actor. like he'd been smoking a lot of weed the whole time. Like his mm. eyes were just like really bloodshot so and he like was, on the verge of crying he in, and he was just sweating. Yeah, he was he right. surprises no one, he was in neighbours. Um, oh, no which is not to um, to discredit um, you, Tom, from that uh, time. Everyone has that time in their career. Um, and he was called also the start. In, um, he was also in Round the Twist. <gasps> oh, Wait, who was he in Round the Twist? He played for twenty four episodes. Tiger Gleason. No, no idea. I haven't watched Round the Twist in a long time, though. Mm. Sure. So anyway, moving on. Whilst I yeah. quickly yeah. another very like local yeah. <laughs> thing. The the hippie characters were were nice and fun. It was definitely fitting with the time period, yep. and they give uh, Uncle Tadpole, who um, after after Willie has run away from the the school, yep. um, you know he's he's hooked up with this guy called um, Uncle Tadpole to try and like help him get back Played to played by Ernie Dingo, yes, who's like, an Australian institution. Certainly is, and yeah. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, he was pretty good. Like he can't sing for crap, but you know that's okay. Yeah, that, that didn't seem... Neither, could Russell, neither could Russell Crowe in yeah, Les exactly. and, you know, we it, forgive him that. It's not a prerequisite for, for some of these films. Oh, uh, God. But, but the, he, I think I think he actually played the role very well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did that side of it. Which I think was... he was very lovable. He was, he was sort of an e- equal part sort of scoundrel unlovable mm. and, you know, a support system when he, he goes to, you know... Yeah. He goes to bat for... Yeah, he was a good character. Mm. Shout out to... And probably the, the one that gets the most development, funnily enough. I, mean, I actually don't yeah. think the main character uh, got... I don't think Willie got that much no. development, no. really. No. Um, he just I, yeah. got to see some stuff and then hook up with the girl at the end. Yeah. I think we actually probably he got his goals more about Tadpole. Yeah. Anyway. And he, he did a good job. I think we also have to give a shout out to Magda Zabanski. Oh, Magda Zabanski is great as, uh, in everything. Always deserves a shout out. Roadhouse Betty um, in the... In, she was the uh, for those who don't know Magda, uh, the larger lady who was offering hot chico rolls to uh, Willie. Chico rolls and, uh, anybody, and Uncle can, Tadpole. Okay, I have never eaten a chico roll because I think they're disgusting. How can do you, you know you've never eaten one? It's just 
They do look gross. I've not eaten one either, and I've no interest. What is a a chicken roll? Were they handing them out at the brand new day premiere? Like, how do I keep having these experiences that neither (laughs) of you have? I need to take you guys out for chicken roll and some films. I I don't like Vegemite Uh, anymore either. I used to eat it as a kid, and I don't anymore. I'm Australian. Alex, get in the bin. As the most Australian of everyone here, I did not expect that. I'm (laughs) I'm very, I'm very proud of that, to be honest. And for our internationalists, what is a chicken roll, and what does it taste like? A chico roll is, it's what, a corn sort of meat and vegetable um, deep fried roll, I suppose. Like, it's, a, it's... like a pastry, like a, like a sausage roll, but with like corn and um, stuff in it. Yeah, I think it's more like a crumbed sausage, but the sausage is not just meat and it's not as hard as a sausage. I mean, I don't eat them religiously. Like, I'm not going home to yeah. cover it in Vegemite and go to bed. You know? <laughs> With not... it next to your pillow, like, yeah, stroking it. I'm like, Chico really... Roll, I love That's you. That's not what I'm about. I've had them, but I'm, I'm all... Uh, I've yeah. never... I don't stay away from them because they just look real gross. Okay. Um, they're the kind of thing that you get, like, like from dodgy, like, roadside, like, corner shops. Well, like the one that... Um... Like the one that she Like runs. the one that yeah. Magnus... And sorry, if somebody doesn't know um, Chico Rolls... Um, sorry, if somebody doesn't know Magda Zubansky, mm. I would... Um, she, Kath and Kim. I would commend Kath and Kath Kim, and Kim to you. Lots of things. She's yeah. great in pretty much everything she's in. She is. And it's a small role, but she does it really, really well. It's a small Chico roll, but she's she's fantastic. Uh-huh. I, I love watching a this. Chico roll. Uh, is filling is primarily cabbage and barley, as well as carrot, green beans, beef, beef tallow, wheat cereal, celery, and onion. So maybe the one thing that's not in there is corn. So you're welcome. <laughs> you were maybe thinking of the onion. I think I was maybe thinking of one of those corn ones. There's a corn Chico it's, roll. It's not a Chico roll, but it's like a corn. I feel like we need to <laughs> move um, on. This this film. Oh, there's also the uh, Chucky dancers we have to show. Yes. Oh, my God. I think that was the most excited I got in this whole film. It was. When they were like, he just jumped on the back of the truck. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to brew, eh? And they just take off. He's like, all right, I'll jump on the back of the truck. We're going to go play footy. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Sorry, Stephen and I can um, both vouch for the fact that that was the most excited Ellen got during this film. When she basically turned to both of us and went, finally, this film is... (laughs) Because the Chucky dancers are great. Okay, so the Chucky dancers, they're a dance group. They're also called um, Jukimala, and they're from... I'm pretty sure they're from the Northern Territory. They do traditional indigenous dancing but to, like, contemporary songs. So their their specific party trick is that they do... um, they dance to Zorba the Greek, which they did in this. The they they yes, they do indigenous dancing to mm. to Zorba the Greek, and they did it. Which is on... not an example of a contemporary song, but yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Well, I'm, contemporary compared to the songs that they would normally be dancing sure. to, yeah. which are thousands of thousands of years old. I was thinking maybe they were dropping it to like Katy Perry. Oh, I, th- I think possibly stuff like that as well. I've the main thing. That, the main thing with them is that they they were on Australia's Got Talent. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, okay, because they came on and they sort of were, they, they didn't speak. Like, a lot of them only spoke their native languages. They didn't speak right, any English right. at all. And so they just turned up and just did this dance, Zorba the Greek, and they were like, what? And then they went on at the Melbourne Comedy Gala, and they, they come to Fringe World here every year. Mm, yeah. Like, they, they tour around, and they, yeah. they do Indigenous dancing all over the joint, and they, yeah, they do it to... The, their specific one is Zorba the Greek. They're really good dancers. They are really good, and it was lovely to actually see them in this film. Yeah. Because uh, they are well worth a look if you've not seen them do I their thing. I love the Jukka Okay, so that's, that's something that I haven't seen. So I haven't seen Jukimala, but I've heard incredible things and mm. need to go and... And see the show. You certainly yeah. do. So, they, they're, they're coming for Fringe. They but I am taking a Chico roll with me. You're taking yeah. a Chico so, roll to go yeah. see Jukimala. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the film ends, like I say, with an omni shambles of, of plot, um, where we find out that. It's worse than the end of some of Shakespeare's like, romances, and that's saying yeah. something, because some it's... of them are just like, have all the plot. Bleh. Like, Wolf, this is. Yeah, Wolfgang, <laughs> one of two German characters in the film, is related to the other f- German character, Father Benedictus. Perth. Who it turns out. Oh, Perth. this is so Perth. This is, yeah. <laughs> So Father Benedictus, it turns out, was the father and the mother was Teresa, who is Willie's mother. And then we discover that Willie's mother, Teresa, was previously married to Uncle Tadpole, which means that Uncle Tadpole is Willie's father. Oh, oh. It's just stupid. Brilliant. I did not like that oh, at all. Stupid. Like, that yeah, wasn't the word I thought you'd go for. Um, <laughs> well, oh, look, it doesn't matter. At the end, <laughs> as I was saying, were you entertained by that? No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. No, no. I was too busy going, what? You hear what? that and you go, what? Oh, and then it was like, wait, of course, but the... wait, more plot. I was like, of course, what? Teresa from Broom happened to 
have a child out of wedlock with this German guy and it happens to be his German son that happens to be in Perth looking for his father yeah. and is there at exactly the same time who happens to be her son. That's a lot like, of coincidence. Why not? Because they needed to get to a scene at the end where they were all sitting around the table and they were all related in some way and all like, and that was beautiful. But there was no foreshadowing of many of those elements, and that's what I dislike. And I have no problem with. Well, that's okay. You are, you are, and this is this is why it's a good you know thing of reviews and opinions. Yep. And, and we have a variety. Even if your of opinions people. are wrong. No, that's it, fine. and it's not that the opinions are wrong. No, no it's, it's just like, that they're different. If like, because I'm aware, yeah, Shakespeare does pull that stuff sometimes he, he does pull, uh all the time yeah you know a lot. you'll but but i i do i tend to like it less when it's it's not foreshadowed or potentially set up the only thing we really have any warning about really is wolfgang kind of has to be father benedict's son when he says oh i'm here looking for my father you know that kind of thing it's, we, we get that pretty early yeah but i think a farce is set up like that i didn't if connect you, that but the, then the i don't reason... i don't look for connections like that i just let them happen and then yeah. i go what I think okay. I think in a farcical comedy, only the comedic stuff that needs to be set up in order to have a punchline is foreshadowed mm. because it needs the setting up. And the rest of it, they the just go. A farce can just go wherever. I mean, that's. I think that it's probably the premise of a farce is that it just mm. keeps going and it's it's really out there and unexpected and yeah. there's no lead up to it and it seems ridiculous. I, I guess my issue was that when they got there, I hadn't made the connection with the characters, and so that felt unearned. It felt. You said that a couple of times during yeah. this film, though. And the other one was when they were in the prison in Port Hedland, which mm. also terrible place to get thrown into prison. God. Mm. Um, you were saying about they had that lovely um, sort of dream time, dream sequence mm. where um, Willie's floating up in the air and it's all pretty and mm. they've got all of the um, the, the blokes and all, all, all the, all the um, blokes come out and do their dancing and they've got the leaves and they're all painted and mm. it was really visually really beautiful. Yeah. And, but you were like, I feel like we haven't earned this. Like the story hasn't yeah. it earned was, this. It, it was a lovely moment where the characters of, of Uncle Tadpole and Willie made that connection, even though Willie was asleep and it was connecting to the dream time. And that is important yeah. in these indigenous stories. But I just felt that the way everything we had gone about. It was just kind of like thrown in. Yeah. Like, and, but here it is. Yeah. And I, that's what the ending felt like as well. And I bet that's the same thing for you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just, I just feel as though when. I know how his brain works. When things like this are thrown in, I, I just, sometimes, sometimes it works, but I felt in the case of this film, it didn't work for me. May I may I make a musical theatre analogy here? Please it's do. kind of like in your traditional musical theatre comedies where they were just like, and now we're going to have a five-minute dance number mm. because it's entertaining and this person who's in the show is a star and they're good at tap dancing or whatever. It's an entertaining divertisement, but it serves no real function. It's not exactly the same because these do serve kind of story yeah. functions. I, I, I but think they certainly... just kind of thrown in was what it felt like. Yeah. Like, so there hadn't been I, a lot of thought to it. I happen to like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I can appreciate... I'm sure there'd be instances where I found it jarring in other films. Mm. Um, but I'm thinking of something... Look, it's not a very good example, but the first thing that comes to mind is something like Kill Bill, Quentin yep. Tarantino. One of the segments where they tell the, the backstory of Lucy Liu is told mm. completely in um, a cartoon format right it's totally yes. in a sort of um uh, right sort yeah, of yeah format, yeah right mm. and it's artsy it breaks it up a little bit it just mm. it, it it you know it changes the tone a little bit in in that sense it gives the person creating the film a bit you know a bit of a chance to do something mm. else it, yeah you know it, it gives you something that you didn't have at that point um it's a bit like when everything's fairly you know regular you're sitting in broom and you've got some regular things going on all of a sudden Something Jessica Mavoy's character is naked and there's fire behind her and she's really sexy and she's... It's not the traditional sort of, you know, rose-tinted glasses with the white mm. dress and the sort of virgin-looking thing. Like, it was like a sexy image. And yep. that was... I actually found that, you know, that was like, oh, okay, that's quite quite sexy to come up, you know, just yep. out of the blue like that. I, fe I felt that... I've, and I agree. I felt that that was used effectively. And I think what it is for me is I really enjoyed and felt that it was a really well put together and moving sequence where Willie is having the dream and he's having that connection to the people who were living on the land before and it starts with them in almost in black and white and it was pull, almost... pulling the chains off but the thing that yeah. the thing that for me made me I guess dislike the film is that it did that so well whilst the rest of the film 
had been kind of badly, not badly put together, just just not as well put together. It felt as though, I suppose the reason it felt unearned is because I I really enjoyed and cared about that sequence, but nothing that the rest of the film it. had been doing had kind of made me feel as though it belonged in this film. It felt it feels like that sequence belongs in a better film. That that's ultimately what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But I mean it's I, I yeah, it's it's colourful. It tells um you know, it tells a, a story that we don't often see depicted in film. It tells stories about people who we don't often see depicted in films yeah. in, in particularly in such a positive light. Um, yeah. I mean, there are negatives as we've touched on, but mm. I certainly yeah, there were some things that we were concerned. And even any yeah. and, and even the negative uh, sort of character stereotypes, I think that they play on they 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 are framing them in a positive light, which mm. kind of softens them a little bit. So you're not sitting there being like, oh god, like you know this this drunk Aboriginal guy who lives underneath the bridge, like Ugh. like he's kind of he's kind of charming and funny, and you're kind of like, oh, like maybe he's not so bad. Like Can that's make a the way they out of a snake. You know, think things like yeah, that. Yeah, like, it's... you know, that that's they've kind of framed it in this positive light, which kind of, I think, softens those stereotypes out a little bit yeah. to an extent. And we managed to mention in the same sequence, wombats, kangaroos, koalas. Koalas. Mm. I'm a koala. Okay, um, I liked the bit where he put the spoon on his face. He's like, look, I'm a koala. And like I was like, got, I love that. that. Mm. I didn't know cherry ripes were Australian. That's all I was going to oh, say. Oh, man, cherry ripes are so Australian. And you mm. mentioned them to other people. They're like, that sounds horrible. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the best thing. It's like dark chocolate and cherries and coconut. It's like the best thing ever. They are delicious. No, sorry, I, I do like them. Yeah. I, I just, don't know, you just I didn't know they were Australian. And there mm. seemed to be definitely a theme of Australian things. They were a form of and currency. And then Coca-Cola. Apparently, it was a form of bribery. Yeah. yeah. It was currency strong enough to bribe someone. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, Can you it imagine was... Agent Smith going up to all the people who are plugged into the Matrix and saying, yeah. will you take the red cherry ripe? <laughs> or the, or the red bounty. cherry ripe? Oh. Or the bounty. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, would you guys like some trivia about Brand New Day? I'd love some I trivia about really Brand New like Day. Some. Well, you only get one piece. There is only one oh line of trivia. Are you this... kidding me? Yeah. That'd be good. Um, it's it's an alternate casting one, and I oh, will okay. run it past you. But yes, uh, IMDb, um, you need to up your trivia game on this film. Holy because crap. for the first time, I, I thought we weren't going to have any when the page loaded. And then I realized it's one sentence. And it's this. Um, Father Benedictus, there was an actor who was interested in playing him. That actor was Robin Williams. <gasps> oh my wow. Goodness. Now that's all that's written, so I could totally see him Sorry, playing like, that uh, role. <laughs> how did he know it was being cast? Like, is Robin Williams on now, like a mailing list, or like <laughs> how did like did he? Because I'm expecting I don't it was know probably the, I don't know the somebody. Says, it was probably I'm, somebody talking to somebody. Somebody talking to something. Or was it after the fact where he turns around and says, "Oh, I enjoyed that. I kind of would have been interested in playing that." Like, mm. all it says is that he was interested in playing. Father Benedictus. He now. may have seen the show, like the original stage musical, mm, or the, but who the, knows? The original show is from 1990. The stage show, yeah. so it's he may have it may have been around. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, that makes so much more sense. Mm. Mm. But yeah, Robin Williams. Australian got... musicals in the 80s and 90s weren't exact, aren't exactly yeah. known You're for right. their. Uh... I, I I'd have happily seen him in this. So uh, we it have might no have... other uh, trivia about. That was it. That well, was all. I, I actually. Pre- I, well, I want yeah. to know about the Jew guys now because I'm fairly certain they have a dark head on that's, light body. I think that's something that we'll have to leave for another time because uh, we have to score this film. Oh, <laughs> so, God. Somebody has to. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. God. What are we scoring it out of? Sorry? Uh, we score these films out of 10, Alex. And these scores are just to reflect our own sort of thoughts and opinions. They shouldn't be taken as gospel, not like Rotten Tomatoes. They're <laughs> kind of arbitrary, but they're fun to do. Ellen, why didn't you start us off? Because you were the guest who hadn't seen the film. What would you give Brand New Day out of 10? I don't know if I like this film or if I don't like this film. I don't know. I feel like maybe I should have played a drinking game while I was watching it. Maybe that would have made my experience more enjoyable. Hmm. I don't know. It was kind of like there were elements. It's it's like you said, there are elements of it that are really enjoyable. And there were certain bits like, you know, like Ernie Dingo putting a spoon on his nose and going, I'm a koala. Like, and just there's lots of little bits and pieces hmm. what, watching the thing and going, oh, my God, it's High Street and Fremantle. They could have updated the street signs to make him a bit older. Like, you know, there was things that I picked up and went, I enjoyed this. But I think I'm going to I think I'm going to have to give it three old fashioned microphones out of 10. OK, uh, Alex, what would you give it? So, um, I think the film serves a purpose. I think it serves it pretty well. I, mm-hmm. I find it really enjoyable to sit down and 
watch. I've now watched it now. I probably don't need to watch it again for another 10 years. Um, <laughs> but if somebody tomorrow night said, oh, I've been really wanting to watch this film, I wouldn't say, oh my goodness, I've already trudged through that mm. this week. Yeah. I couldn't watch it again. Sure, have it on the background. I, I think it's really easy to, to have there. So I'm going to give it six condom trees <laughs> out of 10. Yeah, look, I again, it's very rare that we get films on this podcast where I go, don't bother watching it. I think that film was called Spice World. I think that was literally the only oh, one so yeah, far. Yeah, Stephen really didn't like Spice World. Mm. Uh, but that's that's okay. That's fine. Sorry, that's the, the, the culinary... Spi- the Spice Girls movie. Like... Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, however, um, this... I, I, I've already... We've covered that I didn't necessarily love this film. Yeah. But I also think that... I think it's important to watch purely from that that sort of selfish geographical perspective of it's, it's an Australian. It's film. an Australian. We don't film. have many of them, and it's a film about Western Australia. Yeah. And in a sense, it makes sense that it's kind of an omni shambles that's weird and on the edge and very pretty to look because at. Because we are an omni shambles that yeah. are weird and on the edge. Um, but and and it's still lovable despite those flaws. Um, but I ultimately can't get past the fact that most of my time watching this film. I was wishing that it was better. I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it for what it was doing. I did not. Uh, I'm going to give it three cherry ripes out of ten. Um, yeah. And three cherry ripes are great. If you gave me three cherry ripes now, I would be happy. But to be fair, I don't think I'd need more than three cherry ripes. Yeah, exactly. Right Why would yeah. you need more? Exactly. Are we talking about fun size? Are we talking about full size? Full size. Full size. No, I wouldn't need more than no, three. You wouldn't Twin need packs. more than three. No. But I think that's maybe <laughs> apt. I think, um, th- you know, it's three cherry ripes. It might seem like it's a good idea, but if you consume them all at once, you're going to finish feeling a bit sick and wishing that you'd eaten something else. And therefore else. you can't give it like four or five or six because you will just die of diabetes. So that brings us to the end of this episode uh, where we looked at Brand New Day. Alex and Ellen, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Pleasure You're welcome. welcome. And for those of you listening at home, you can get in touch with us by going to Facebook. You can tell us what you liked or didn't like about Brand New Day, or indeed any of the other films we have covered. Just go to facebook.com and search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club. We're also available on iTunes and SoundCloud, where you can listen to this and the 90-odd other episodes that we have. Uh, Just subscribe to those services to get a fresh episode each and every week. And of course, there is the Patreon. For uh, additional bonus content, you can become an official member of the club just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast but that's all for this week so until next time goodbye you have been listening to a thought jar productions podcast for more information please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.